Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Once again, thank you for joining us this week on the program. And uh, again, I really, really trust that you've been uh, tuning in every week because we are consistently trying to unpack and unfold some things over a period of uh, many months and or many programs we are on once a week uh, and uh, and it's a little difficult sometimes to continue to remember what we've shared so for that reason you can go to my website and the address is on the screen or you can go to YouTube and view any of these programs uh, uh, anytime you want to you can go back and watch the ones we have archived on YouTube and that would be a great blessing to kind of catch up to where we're at this is the fifth or sixth program just on the church at Philadelphia I don't know if we'll be able to conclude it today or not if we're not we'll shoot another segment but we're going to take our time and try to do this right. I believe that you're starting to grasp some things and the response that you have uh, you know, uh, had to what we're saying has been uh, nothing short of phenomenal. We thank you for that. We love hearing from you. I'm going to get in the Word today without talking a whole lot about anything else except the Word, but we're talking about the church at Philadelphia, and I'm going to read it again. To the angel of the church at Philadelphia, this is uh, Revelation 3, verse 7. Right, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts, and shuts and no man opens. I know thy works, behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them come, and to worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, and I will keep thee from the hour of temptation or tribulation or tr testing or trial, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And I will come quickly, behold, behold, I come quickly, hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Now let me say, before I get down into the promise to this over, he says, uh, uh, because you have kept the word of my patience, I will keep you from the hour of testing or trial that is to come upon all the world and to try them that dwell upon the earth. I believe that this trial and this tribulation period that he's talking about is not in our future. I believe it was that period of time what Jesus prophesied about in Matthew 24, which he says uh, to them in Matthew 24, that tribulation such as was not, uh, nor would ever be again, would come upon all the world to try them. And he tells them in verse 34, this generation will not pass away till all these things come to pass. He set a time text and said these things would occur within his generation. It's my opinion, my educated opinion, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all wrote an Olivet Discourse, which would be the Matthew 24 Discourse, the Olivet Discourse. John is the only one who did not have it in his gospel. And I believe the reason for that is that the book of Revelation is John's Olivet Discourse. He's talking about all of these things, whether it's wars and uh, famines and earthquakes and all these things that would occur even physically within his generation, within this generation, Jesus said. Then he sets uh, a time text and says, they which pierced me will look upon me. That's in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, I come quickly. Uh, there, he was talking about his coming in judgment upon apostate Israel. He says, Behold, I, am co I come quickly. And here he says that again, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast to what you have and don't let anybody take your crown, which is my, uh, my thought. We've already shared plenty on this, is that 
the right to rule and reign. Don't let anybody rob you from that. Mm -hmm. That dominion that belongs to us as because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life. Uh, Book of Revelation says that He made us unto Him kings and priests, and we shall reign, not when we get to heaven some glad morning, but we shall reign on the earth. It's an authority of the believer to execute what He said we could have right here. And so, uh, you know, if I said to you, uh, Jeremy, go out in the car and wait on me, I'm going to come real quickly. And 2,000 years from now, I hadn't showed up that ain't quickly. So this is talking about something more than some future appearing. This is talking about uh, something that was imminent to this church, something that was about to transition. And then he goes on to say, Him that overcometh, I will make him a pillar in the temple, my God. He shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem. He tells you exactly who it is, who New Jerusalem is. It is a people who are overcomers. And, uh, you know, I was looking at even... uh, uh, some commentaries on this, and I, I, I saw where he, he said uh, uh, that uh, a pillar in the temple uh, it, it is probably an allusion here to the two pillars that were in the temple at Jerusalem, yep. which was called Jachin and Boaz, which their names literally mean stability and strength. So the church is the temple of Christ. Christ is the foundation on which it is built. Mm-hmm. And His ministers are the pillars by which under Him uh, is, it is adorned and supported. I believe Paul used that same allusion in uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, when he talks about certain were pillars in the church. Mm-hmm. But when he says, I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, I think what he's talking about here again is during this transition that we've already laid out in past segments, when the tabernacle of David was rebuilt, and the Gentiles would come on the scene, and the residue of men would seek after the Lord. It was during that period of time that Amos said that uh, there would be a judgment that would be upon the people of the Jewish nation that rejected him. In other words, there was about to be some days of vengeance that would come in 70 AD, 67 AD to mm-hmm. around 70 AD, about three and a half year period of tribulation of incredible, 42 months of incredible devastation that would come upon all the world to try them. He says to these people, I'm going to keep you from that hour because you've kept my name and you've kept the word of my power. Now I'm going to write upon you the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, mm-hmm. which is New Jerusalem it comes down from God out of heaven. This is very clearly to me not so much a, uh, a place as it is a people. Yeah. And uh, when he says, I'm going to write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, I want to, I want to look at a few things in light of that uh, in Galatians. And I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Bible. It says, tell, tell me, you who are bent on being under the law, will you listen to what the law really says. Now this is from the Amplified Bible, Galatians 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who are bent on being under the law, will you listen to what the law really says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondmaid and one by the free woman. But whereas the child of the slave woman was born according to the flesh and had an ordinary birth, the son of the free woman was born in fulfillment of the promise. Now all this is an allegory. These two women represent two covenants. One covenant originated from Mount Sinai where the law was given and, the, uh, and bears children destined for slavery. That is Hagar. 
Now, Hagar is and stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia, and she corresponds to and belongs in the same category with the present Jerusalem, Jeremy, mm -hmm. for she is in bondage together with her children. In other words, anybody still up under the Old Covenant, anybody still up under the law, anybody still related to that Old Jerusalem is Hagar. It is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and it is still is bearing children destined for slavery. Under the Old Covenant, you were slaves. In the New Covenant, your sons. And so it goes on to say that, 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 that Jerusalem, which now is, is in bondage together with her children. But Jerusalem, but the Jerusalem above. The this is the Amplified Bible. The Messianic kingdom of Christ is free, and she is our mother. Yep. For it is written in the Scriptures, Rejoice, O barren woman, who has not given birth to children. Break forth into joyful shout, you who are not feeling birth pains. For the desolate woman has many more children than she who is, has a husband. But we, brethren, are children, watch this, we, brethren, then, are children, not by physical descent. And as, as was Ishmael, but like Isaac, born in virtue of the promise. Again, I could tie that back to the church of Philadelphia. He said, they say they're Jews and they're liars, mm -hmm. but they're synagogues of Satan. He's saying right here that, that the natural, that the physical descent was Ishmael. Now, that's pretty powerful there. He said, in other words, if you were born of natural descent, that is Ishmael. But, not, but, but we, brethren, are children not by physical descent, as was Ishmael. But like Isaac, we were born in virtue of the promise. Yet just as at that, that time the child of the ordinary birth, born according to the flesh, despised and persecuted him who was born remarkably, or who had a supernatural birth, we were born of a supernatural birth, According to the promise and the working of the Holy Spirit, so it is also now. In other words, those that are born of the natural descent are still persecuting those that are born of the Spirit. I can say it another way. Those that are still up under law are persecuting those of us who are born of the Spirit. Yeah. And the moment that Isaac was weaned from that system of religion is the moment that, uh, that Ishmael began to persecute him. Yeah. It says, but just as at that time the child of the ordinary birth, born according to the flesh, despised, persecuted him, who was born remarkably according to the promise and the working of the Holy Spirit. So it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? It says, cast out and send away the slave woman and her son, for never shall the son of the slave woman be heir and share the inheritance with the son of the free woman. So, brother, we who are born again are not children of the slave woman the natural, but of the free, the supernatural. So what he's simply declaring here is clearly, and the Amplified brings it out so clear without me having to give my opinion, that if you're born of the natural, and, and you're not born of the supernatural, that th those of us who are born again, and we've already dealt with how, uh, you know, the, in the book of Peter we talked about uh, where we're born again of the incorruptible Word of God, that we who are born again are that part of that messianic yeah, kingdom of yeah. Christ, that the messianic kingdom of Christ, that these are two covenants, this Hagar, which is Sinai, the old covenant, mm -hmm. and this new Jerusalem, which is the children of faith, the children of promise, the community of faith, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the messianic kingdom of God, that those of us who are born of that, we're the ones who have the supernatural birth, and we are flowing from Jerusalem, which is a city that is free. And you could go over there, and you could you could take you know you could go on over into uh, the book of, of Hebrews chapter twelve. Get this for me if you could if you if you could get this for me real quickly in Hebrews chapter twelve verse twenty two through twenty four. Uh, he tells you for we did not come first of all setting this up 
Go, you go ahead and get verse 22. He says, you did not come to blackness and darkness. You did not come to fear and trembling. You did not come to a God who says, stay away. You did not come to a God who said, if you touch the edge of the mountain, you'll be thrust through with the dark. That mountain was Mount Sinai. And he's telling them in the verses above where I'm going to have Jeremy read from, that you did not come to that mountain. But verse 22 says what, Jeremy? Uh, but rather you have come to Mount Zion. Now, now look at this, but you have already come. You're not mm -hmm. coming to, you're not marching there. It's not some glad morning, but you are come. Even to the city of the living God. What? You have come already to yep. the city of the living God. To heavenly Jerusalem. You have come, you have already come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You were the city that Abraham was looking for in the early chapters of chapter 11 when he looked for a city whose chief architect was God. It's not on a planet three miles south of Mars someplace. It is the community of faith. It is the believers. And he's saying here that you didn't come to Sinai, but you have come to Mount Zion. You've come yeah. to the city of the living God, and you've already come to the heavenly Jerusalem. To the heavenly Jerusalem. And to countless multitudes of angels in festival festive gathering. You've already come to a multitude of heavenly angels and a fest feastal gathering. Yep. And to the church assembly of the firstborn who are registered as citizens in heaven and to the God who is judge of all and to the spirit of righteous the redeemed in heaven who have been made perfect and to Jesus the mediator go-between agent of a new covenant and to the sprinkling sprinkled blood which speaks of mercy a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of Abel which cried for vengeance. Now you've already come to Jesus the mediator of a new yeah. covenant. Get me Ephesians 2:19 while I talk about this. You you have already come to the city of the living God. You've already come to a heavenly Jerusalem. You've already come to the spirits of just men made perfect. You've already come to Jesus who's the mediator of a new covenant. That's not my opinion. That's what your Bible says. If you want to wait to some glad day to get some of this and access some of it, that's up to you. But I'm not going to let anybody take my crown. I believe I am the offspring. I believe I am a part of the New Jerusalem. Yep. I believe I am part of the Messianic Kingdom. I believe I've got the key of David, and I have a right alongside of my union with Christ to rule and reign in that kingdom, not in the future, but right now. Yep. And you know what? You, you say, well, well, Brother House, yeah, but you get over here in the book of Revelation, and it says, you know, and uh, John, John said the Spirit began to say to him, I'm going to show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. I'm, come up hither, and I'm going to show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he said, I, and I looked, and he says, you know, uh, I saw, uh, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Mm -hmm. And then he began to say, I'm going to show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And then, and then he calls it the city of God. He uses three icons to describe the same thing. And then he says that all three of these things, I'm going to show you the city of God, the bride, the Lamb's wife. Well, we know, number one, the tabernacle of God is a people. Yep. That we're the temple of God. Yep. I'm going to write upon you the name of my God, the name of the city of my God. I'm going to make you a pillar in the temple. That's not, him, that's not a concrete building someplace. That's the building of God, the tabernacle of God that we are. So we know what, what? know you not, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So if you're the temple and you're the bride, mm -hmm then you're also the city because all three things are used to describe the same thing. And then he talks about this city has in the foundation of the city the names of the twelve apostles. And here's the answer to that in Ephesians 2. Read that for me if you would. Verse number 19. 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, 
in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, uh, and whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now that is as clear as I know how to put it, is that the city of God is the community of faith, it is the bride, the Lamb's wife, it is the tabernacle of God that we are, and it is built upon apostolic foundation, Jesus Christ Himself being chief cornerstone, that we build a habitation of God through the Spirit where God can live in us. I love how the Message Bible says it in, in Revelation. Uh, it says, uh, it said, I, I, won't, I won't even have to read it, I'll quote it. It says, when he says in King James, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. The Message Bible says, Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. And I always, I always tell people, slap your neighbor and tell him property's values just went up because God moved into the neighborhood. God moved into his temple. God moved into his tabernacle. What's so glorious about this is that the temple God moved into, and I'm going to let you have it just a minute, Jeremy, but I'm excited about this, is that God's dream ever since Adam lost the relationship with God, is let them build me a house. Yeah. Let them, so I can dwell among them. He tells Moses, if you build in the earth what I just showed you in the heavens, I'll come and live with you. And they build him houses. And you know there's six temples, I believe, built up mm -hmm. until Jesus comes on the scene. Clear up to the temple of Herod, and mm -hmm. there's you know, Solomon's temple. And all of these represent, and they're just pictures, they're shadows of the true tabernacle. Yep. Which we are. Yep. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yep. And so they're all patterns until God's dream is, I, build me a house so I can dwell among you. God finally realizes his dream. In Revelation 21, when he says, look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. God has moved into the neighborhood. He's made his home with men. Yeah. Do you have that pulled up there on your on Revelation 21? Nah. On your message Bible? I thought maybe you did. Yeah. God has moved into the neighborhood. He's made his home with men. Yeah. He's their God. They're his people. Yeah. He'll wipe every tear from their eye. And then in the midst of that, what it is, is he's wiping every tear from their eye because he's removing the curse. Yeah. And he now has a city, a kingdom, where David, the greater son of David, rules and reigns from, is from the church, from the community of faith, from the city of God, and a river runs through it that has no pollution, it's clear as a crystal, and it flows out of a slain lamb that's in the midst of this city, and there is a river that runs through it. Go ahead and jump in there. I'll take the whole program. I was looking at, you know, Ephesians 2, 19 that you had me read, but in the Message Bible it says, that, that, that is plain enough, isn't it? You are no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with wow. as much right to the name of Christ as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, uh, irrespectively of how we got here and what, in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick and fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone. Wow. With Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. That holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built in it, into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. You know, you're, you're talk, I mean, that, to me, you, you know, you're talking about it, it don't get no plainer than that. Uh, we have been, I think so long, we've been talking about one day God's going to make his home yeah. here. One day, you know, we're, we're going to be home with Jesus. And, and, and man, if we'd ever realized that we are already home with Jesus and that he has built us into his home. Yeah. It's all, we're already a part of it. Uh, 
I think that that had ever dawned on us, that that's already, he, it is already a present reality that Christ is ruling and reigning, and he, as, he is at home right now with his people, with his bride. If we'd ever get that revelation, we'd stop looking at the world as this bad place that just, you know, God needs to destroy and start looking at as, hey, if this is my home, this is where I live, yep. it's time to start cleaning it up a little bit. Yep. It's time to start, like I said, I think even where he says, don't let nobody take your crown. We've let people take our crown. Yep. We, we, we've, we've, we, have, we have given up the rule. We've let somebody come along and take our crown rather than realizing it is our right to rule and reign yeah. here on the earth to begin to change and transform and to uh, see the kingdom of God manifest and grow and get bigger. Of the increase of his kingdom, there is no end. Mm -hmm. You and know, let me just jump in real quick here because, I mean, the Lord said to me back a few years ago, I want you to become a kingdom exporter and not just a kingdom consumer. Yeah. And I said, what are you saying, Lord? He said, I want you to export the water from the city. Yeah. And this water is the water in our belly. Yeah. I want you to export the light of the city because if there's darkness out here, and there is. Yep. Outside the city yep. is dogs and whoremongers. Whosoever loves makes a lie. But I'm telling you that it's our job to export the light, export the water, to extend the street, to follow the yellow brick road. It's a street called straight. It's a highway called holiness. Yep. To open the gates of pearl, which are salvation, because a pearl of great price was hid in a field that was purchased through the suffering of Christ. So we must become kingdom exporters. I, I won't take all of it. Go ahead and jump yeah, in there. But I mean, we must begin to, to affect that darkness with what's yeah. going on around us. And, and the way we do this, the way we affect it is by this brotherly love that Philadelphia has, has showed us is that uh, Jesus, how Jesus changed the world was he loved it. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was, it's the love of God that began to transform this whole world until uh, we, we are living right now in a place that uh, the kingdom of God is available to us. It's, it's the, the power of God is available to us. But the power of God operates through the love. Uh, you you want to see the power of God operate even greater? Then start loving people the way God would yep. love them. Uh, you know, Jesus took himself 12 disciples. When he took those 12 disciples, they were the outcasts. They weren't guys that were... You know, they were the ones the rabbis didn't want to take because they weren't smart enough. So they went back to their jobs as fishermen and everything else. And Jesus steps in, begins to love these guys for the next three and a half years. And he shows that he really shows those men what love really is, what, what Jesus is really about, what God. He shows them. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What he's saying to them is that this is what the Father would do. This is how the Father operates. He operates everything he does, he does out of love. And out of a, a just like that, that uh, the, the freedom that comes from that. He, it doesn't operate in bondage, it operates in a freedom. And he takes those men, and those men, uh, when, the Pentecost, when, the, when the Holy Spirit falls upon them, it dawns on them the truth of what Jesus did, and they become the exporters. They become just as much a representation of God as Jesus was. Yeah. They do the same miracles and even greater miracles than Jesus. They uh, transform the world. They, they don't just take it to natural Jews. They take it to uh, the Gentiles as yeah. well and begin to transform the world just by simply saying, hey, I'm just going to tell you what Jesus did. I'm going to tell you about the love of the Father and what he did, how he, he sent his son to be crucified, died, and to raise again so that we could be free from sin. This is the love of the Father that he has bestowed upon us. And that now it's not just a matter of that we don't have to even be sinners and in bondage any longer. 
But now we, re we receive the right to be sons, and as sons, we just we operate the same way Jesus did because that's our identity. That's our DNA. Love is our DNA. Yep. That's our nature. And what changes the world, what br brings the kingdom, and what exports is when we live in that brotherly love just like Philadelphia did, and we become the answer to this hurting and dying world. Absolutely. Amen. You know, I think about too, Jeremy, I was thinking about this while you were saying that. In Genesis, it starts in a garden in a finished work. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them. Right in the middle of a finished work, God plants a garden and a river runs out of it. Yeah. And He blesses the man and graces him and says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. In other words, take what you got in this garden, take what you have in this finished work, mm -hmm and let it flow out until it touches all of creation. I believe that the earth still needed to be touched in Adam's day. He was God's vice regent. He was his representative in the earth to export what was in the garden. A river ran out of it. Yeah. We come into the uh, New Testament and Jesus, everything he does is in a, his redemptive work. He does it in the garden. He takes a, Adam has a tree of life. He chooses a tree of death and Jesus chooses a tree of death and it becomes a tree of life. Yeah. We clear, get clear over the book of Revelation and it ends with a city that looks like a garden yep. that has only one tree left in it and that's the tree of life that stands in the midst of the paradise of God and it literally is there for the healing of the nations. It is there for us to export it. When we take what flows out of the finished work of Christ again and the central icon again in the city of God is a slain lamb and a, and a throne. There's a lamb and a throne with a river running out of it. I, that's not a picture of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and a river flowing out of it to all creation. That's what will heal the nations. Sinners sin because that's their nature to sin. Yeah. Righteous people righteous because it's their nature to be Absolutely. righteous. Holy people do what's holy because they are holy. Yep. And see what's flowing out of us in this hour is a river. It's fruit. There's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's gentleness, there's goodness, there's meekness. That heals. The leaves from that tree yep. heal the nations. The river that flows through it, everything it touches lives. I call the street that goes down the middle of it a street called straight, a highway called holiness. Follow the yellow brick road. It's a gold street. It's the divine nature of God that we walk out of. Its walls are called salvations. Its gates are called praise. We can approach this gate and he said this city. And he said that Jerusalem in that day would be called a city sought out, a people not forsaken, a people that were married. I believe that people is the community of faith that we are, and we are to export that to the world. That's what will change the nations yep. of the earth. That's what the Church of Philadelphia is about, is exporting that love and that nature, that holiness that is His nature. It is flowing from a divine nature and it's been a deep way of saying it, but it's powerful. I trust you've enjoyed this segment on the Church at Philadelphia. We'll start on the Church at Laodicea on our next segment. Take a moment though and call that number on the screen. Write to us, let us know if you are enjoying this program or email us. Take a moment to sow a seed into the ministry. It is what enables us to take the gospel like this around the world and you are needed to be a part of this. God bless you. If you need prayer, call that number on the screen. God bless you until you see us again. God bless. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.